Hi, everyone. This is Meredith Root, and welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast, brought to you by Tactic Nutrition. Hi, I'm Alex Parker, owner of Tactic Nutrition, former lawyer, CrossFit Games athlete, turned health and fitness geek. I'm also into health and nutrition, a more recent CrossFit Games athlete, co-owner of Tactic Nutrition, and former engineer. We are here to have fun, engaging conversation about some of our favorite topics, including nutrition, health, coaching, motivation, and of course, CrossFit. Our goal is to give you something to think and talk about and hopefully make you laugh along the way. Hey, Alex. Hey, this is actually the, I think the first time that we've spoken since, um, since yesterday, the loss. <laughs> yeah. The, the, you can say it. The U.S. Uh, U.S. women's soccer team lost to the Canadians in the semifinal round. And if you don't know, Meredith is obsessed with the U.S. women's soccer team, national soccer team. I love them. And we've we've gotten into many arguments about them before. But, like, we could have a whole podcast on this. I'm sure, yeah, easily. Probably multiple podcasts <laughs> on the women's national team. But that was also before you really understood why they were, they're such important people. Yeah, but still, I, t- I don't agree with some of the things that they've done in the past and the way that they've behaved in a very unsportsmanlike manner, in my opinion. Are you talking about Alex Morgan <laughs> sipping tea? I'm talking about every single one of them celebrating like they won the World Cup when they scored, like, what, 20 goals against whatever team that was? I don't even remember. It was 13 against Thailand. Okay. 13-0. Yes. That's necessary. Um, I think at the time they were feeling dejected <laughs> and unappreciated. Whatever the reason, I didn't agree with it. Well, anyways. But we had a big argument about that. Meredith likes to stand up for them. I do, but... Um, I think she secretly wants me to dare dye my hair purple. Yeah, bleach it, dye it purple, cut it a little bit short on the sides, and uh, wear soccer jerseys all the time. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I mean, like anyone who follows the U.S. team, I think... Um, kind of saw this one coming they just haven't played well this tournament they have a new coach they weren't playing their game they're out of it but it still sucks it was like i wasn't even that invested in the game of course i'm cheering for canada but like the so at the end of the game like u.s lost and meredith is just like silent still sitting in her jersey (laughs) i'm just like silent also (laughs) (laughs) like not gonna say anything because like she's clearly like depressed yeah, I it threw my morning off for sure. And then they did the interview, and I just like I'm a big fan of the some of the, like the older players on that team. Like obviously Megan Rapino, <clears throat> um, Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, and so Megan Rapino did a post game interview because she's a captain, and she's kind of talking about the loss and saying, you know, I'm trying to get everyone, um, you know, invested in the gold medal matches we still have you know we still have something to play for and it still matters and um you know then the um the broadcaster i think asked a question about you know we saw you go over to carly lloyd at the end and um i think they those two have such a history together and she kind of acknowledged like you know we're we're both closer to 
like the the end of our careers and the beginning i think um megan rapino is like 36 carly lloyd's 38 or 39 so like this will probably be their last olympic game games like they might play in the world cup together in 2023 or whenever that is but i don't know it's just very emotional Mm -hmm. as someone who's in their 30s and like you know it's hard yeah and i'll give them credit like they're doing a lot for the sport and for equal pay Mm -hmm. and you can't discount that they're kind of like putting their necks out on the line in order to fight for this cause and i have a lot of respect for that and it probably does take a toll on the field. Like it's exhausting mm-hmm. doing that. And Absolutely. The court battles and just the ongoing kind of yep. struggle that is that. So, um, you know, still proud, still supportive. I would, you know, really like to see Jill Ellis come back, but she won't. Um, all right. So let's get into it. We're doing a CrossFit Games recap episode. So um, the CrossFit Games wrapped up on Sunday. Today's Tuesday. We wanted to give it um, kind of a day to give us, give ourselves a day to digest what we watched and, you know, do a little reading and re, uh, re-watching and slash we were just busy yesterday <laughs> with other things. But um, yeah, it was definitely, a, I thought it was a very entertaining CrossFit Games to watch. And I think that would be, even though like, part of it is because we didn't really have a full games to watch last year. And then 2019, we were in, we were there in 2019, but you know, it was a shit show with all the people competing and the cuts and just kind of what that year was. Um, I just thought it was really great. Um, the spectacle was good as always. I didn't like necessarily like the jerseys or the look of, the games, I felt it was a little flat compared to previous years, but I just, I like the Reebok stuff. I like the colors. I like, you know, there's always so much thought put into, you know, why are we picking certain colors? You know, when I was there, it's like, there was this kind of white marble thing going on and they were like, well, it's because there's white marble, you know, there's granite and stuff, um, you know, in the ground, it was all very well thought out and there was always a reason. And you probably remember when you were in Carson, they have a reason behind the, the colors that they decide to choose. Um, and I always just thought that was, that was cool. Plus you see colors that, you know, put together that don't necessarily go together like maroon and orange mm-hmm. and somehow it works. Um, so I just like visually it fell a little bit flat from a, like, you know, I just felt like everyone was wearing the same thing. Cause even like the dark, like the gray or green camo kind of just looked like a gray shirt when the mm-hmm. camera was pulled back. So it's like, meh. I don't know who I'm looking at. I always like to see who can put, like, put together the worst combination. I like the uh, Heather Gray on Heather Gray. <laughs> the, the the gym teacher look? Yeah. <laughs> like the Heather Gray sports bra with the Heather Gray tights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like even with Reebok, some, there was always someone who would put same, same color top, same color bottom. And you're like, mm, that's not. It was harder to do that, though, because they didn't often have. Corresponding. And like, I feel like sports bra with like tight is okay yeah it's it's not okay when it's t-shirt and tight yeah or t-shirt and shorts yeah i mean it's still fine i i really shouldn't comment on what people wear because i have i will say that like having like having been there you do get like with the colors you get to the end of the weekend and if you haven't done laundry (laughs) you're just like ah crap (laughs) yeah i have to wear some ridiculous combination or like you know you have to wear shorts when you'd rather wear tights. yeah and like if 
I remember, I think my mom ended up doing laundry one day, but they do not give you enough clothes yeah. to make it through no. all of those events without re-wearing stuff. Yep. Which is kind of gross. Yeah, we, I think we, I did laundry at the Edgewater, that hotel, and that was... No, uh, I think your sister did it. Did she? Yeah. Oh, you're right. She saved the day. Yeah. Um, so that was crucial because I was, I was get, coming down to like slim pickings, like the little mini bras and yeah. things that I hate, but um yeah because those yeah. giant titties of yours they just you i almost just, feel like they're just not contained with i almost the feel like bra. because they're so small the bra just slides down and like <laughs> it's probably those bras are problematic i've yeah. tried the size small i've tried size extra small and they both do the same thing so i'm like okay i can't wear the micro bras <laughs> even though i do have micro boobies um it's valid yeah so that's a that's yeah that's a thing um but generally speaking like uniforms aside i thought it was really cool Mm -hmm. and and i only heard like from people who watched it they seem to really enjoy this year yeah one thing i did like um and and i can't recall in 2019 or 18 but a lot of the heats had 20 people in them which was better because you weren't doing four heats of the men and then four heats of the women yeah it was a, a much quicker turnover yes for events yeah i thought that was great um i think the (laughs) the finishing position at the end of the weekend highlights why we don't pick podiums and why i don't think anyone should pick podiums because like you just have no idea i mean aside from the fact that tio was kind of a shoe in to win which everyone knew that and like you know justin probably gonna finish in the top i know i said he what like he wasn't but that was just something that i said to be interesting like I knew he had a shot at it. The programming was good. Um, you know, and despite being very young, he's been doing this kind of forever. Like mm-hmm. he's a bit of a vet- veteran in that way. Um, but yeah, the the finish, the finishing position, the top ten was um, was interesting. Top five was really interesting. I mean, there wasn't anybody in the top five where you were like, "What?" But it's no. just like you know, you look at. And it's so hard with um, CrossFit because you don't know what the events are going to be. And like the the events per competition can change so drastically, which can impact where you play. So for example, you have somebody like Brent Fikowski who barely qualifies for the games and then gets third. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if we're, if we're going based off semifinals, like Brent does horrible at the games, but you can't, you can't go based on past finishes because things can change so so quickly yeah exactly and it's like when you compare and like we've had kind of the um you know we've been lucky to be able to watch the olympic games at the same time and so you see and then like obviously kind of the whole deal with crossfit is that it is unknown the events do change it's not even like the closest comparison on an olympic level would be decathlon but even with decathlon you know exactly what the events are you know how people have performed early earlier in the year in qualifiers so um the announcers and fans and people who follow along generally have a good idea of like who to keep your you know their eyes on like when we're looking at like a 200 meter run at the olympics like they know exactly like okay this is a you know a 20.2 guy or you know keep your eye on you know this lane he's one of the few that has run under 20 seconds like it's nothing's really a surprise it's a surprise when someone doesn't do well for whatever reason mm-hmm. um you know and maybe there was that one swimming event early on where the guy 
like the only swimmer on the national team one out of like lane eight. You remember that? Yeah. I don't remember the country. Tunisia. I don't know that country. Tunisia. Did you just make a country up? No. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to pause why Alex uh, finds this country. Tunisia. Okay. It's the northernmost country in Africa. Is that, are you sure that's how you pronounce it? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> the only it. reason I pronounce it like that is because my dad used to go there for work and he said it like that. So I Can assumed. I I'm going to, I'm just Googling Tunisia pronunciation. I, usually Google will. Tunisia. Tunisia. So I was pretty close. Tunisia. How do you spell that? T-U-N-I-S-I-A. Um, anyways, he won out of like lane eight, which was insane. Yeah. And he was shocked, like just completely shocked. Okay, here we go. It's like this. Tunisia. Okay, I says. was kind of close, close enough. Yeah, I think the E, you, you added that in. <laughs> no, I said Tunisia or something. Yeah, your first one was bad, but I was going to give you a pass on that. Um, at least I knew that where he was from and that, that was a country. Tunisia, I'm like, I've heard that okay. before. <laughs> what you said first, I've not heard of. And then I was just, okay. I was pausing trying to like figure out what that could be. But yeah, and it wasn't that I didn't, I just couldn't remember the country. But he was stoked. You, okay. The... He, I don't know if you remember his coach, but his coach was like, we should do our, another podcast on geography. We really should. I'm like, actually <laughs> just quiz each other. I'm actually pretty good at geography. I would say the exception to that would be probably African geography because yeah. I'm not that familiar with where like little countries like that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with. Um. All right. Well, that was a good, what were we talking about? All right. The Olympic, the finishes. Um, that's to say like CrossFit's just not going to be as predictable. Plus like, um, you know, this year you had some people pull out. We'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, not surprisingly, a couple of people got a little ill after the swim event in that lake, which tends to have some algae going on. Yeah. Well, we're not sure it's because of the lake, but yeah, could be, could be anything. Um, overall, I guess the question is, like, do you think the test this year was a good one? Yeah. From a programming perspective. You'd think, yeah. Yeah, there was there was one event where I was like, I questioned one event, and that was the one on Sunday, the repeatability. Yeah. With the yoke. So that was four rounds, 20 GHD sit-ups, eight cheese curd burpees over a hay bale, and then... Uh, a 168 foot yoke carry and then one minute rest. So you had four rounds. The idea was that you would complete the GSG sit-ups, the uh, sandbag over the hay bale, and then you would advance the yoke as far as you could in the remaining time. Yeah. Uh, and you had two, a two minute window to do that. And then the final window was three minutes if you, if you were stuck in the final round. And, um, yeah, Tia and a few people actually almost finished it in the first two minutes. Yeah. In the very first, round. I was like kind of watching it and he goes on my computer and I looked up and I was like, hang on. What? Yeah. That, 
was that they couldn't have predicted that that was going to happen no like i don't think they wanted anyone to finish in the almost the first round i think you probably the intention there was to have people finishing like third and fourth so they can actually test it yeah so I think had the maybe the yoke carry needs to be double or there needs to be more burpees or like a monostructural element in there. I mean, um, I don't I don't know. It just it didn't seem like it was a particularly good test for the top girls. Well, I just I don't think it accomplished what it was meant to accomplish. No, because they're not testing the repeatability if T is finishing. They basically tested her in a two minute workout. Yeah. And like, yep, she can crush. Like, a yeah, workout. she's <laughs> she's good. But like there weren't she wasn't the only one who was finishing at the two minute yeah or the second round i agree i thought um and that's like that one's just kind of tough and like when you when you sort of pull back and consider it from a programming perspective like the fact of the matter is you don't have tia claire Toomey testing the events it's difficult to predict always how much better she's going to be than the people you have testing the events so that was probably just a sort of misunderstanding of what the best in the sport can do um on a particular event so fair enough that's okay i think it um you know had you seen the entire field of 40 complete that event it probably would have played out exactly the way it was meant to for the majority of the field and that field is like you know even the even though the 40 athletes were cut down to 20 by the end of the weekend i think it is worth mentioning like that the top 40 that make it to the games are like still the pinnacle of the sport mm-hmm or at least the way that CrossFit is represented by the sport. Like you're talking about the the top 0.01% of people. So like, even though they, they get cut, even though, you know, they aren't finishing in the top or maybe they're finishing last in events, like they're kind of still crushing it compared to what most people could do. Um, anyways, I thought the, the run clean event, I didn't think that necessarily needed to be two events. I thought that was redundant. Um, but cool to see the final. I thought the final, like, if you remove the, I don't know. Maybe they were both good. Maybe just, like, a heavy clean ladder. I don't know. It was weird. The, the spacing between them was also awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see that being better, you know, five rounds for time at the lighter weight, rest five minutes, five rounds for time at the heavy weight, you know, move yeah, on. Yeah, I, I was surprised when they did it, like, two separate events. Yeah, like it didn't with have a full a hour yeah. in between or more. Imagine having to like re-warm up. That I wonder be... if they were even given a good opportunity to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering that when, you know, when we saw Haley kind of just standing there. I was like, it, like she she cleaned the last bar, the 205 bar, no problem in the first part of the workout. So it was odd to me that the 210 didn't happen. But it's like if she didn't get a chance to like re-warm up properly. Yeah, you never know. Um, yeah, I think. I think the programming overall was really, really good from a fitness perspective, especially because we've seen such a strength bias in, in the online, uh, like the qualifier events and even some of the uh, in-person semifinals. I thought the variety was really good. And um, from like a specialty or like novelty equipment standpoint, there actually wasn't, there wasn't a lot, which I always am a fan of. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, the kayak was something, but it wasn't as biased as like the prone paddle board where you get anybody from Australia just absolutely crush it because they've been on them several mm-hmm. times. Like 
it didn't seem like there was anyone on the kayak who was like an expert kayaker. Well, Yonikowski was. Was he an expert? He like his technique was far and beyond better than anybody. Yeah, else but out is that there. because he's been on a kayak? I mean, he's clearly been on a kayak. Okay. Well, anyways. But I think the majority of the field, no. Like anybody who gets in a kayak should be able to do it fairly decently. Some yeah. people didn't, which I just am always surprised when I see such like lack of athleticism for something that's so simple. It's like why are your hands it's paddling so close a together? kayak? And yeah. I can say that because I've been in a kayak and like, yeah, it's not that hard. Um. But yeah, I, I still thought the games were kind of heavy from a, like a, yeah, like a weight perspective. Yeah. I mean, you had um, like the heavy clean ladder snatch, um, the pig, like even that very high, like volume muscle up workout had really heavy implements. Yeah. That one had a heavy sled. It had, uh, the pig, the pig, there was the heavy thruster event with the wall walks. Yeah. Like 135 is a heavy thruster with for that many. Yep. There was the heavy clean ladder. Um, there was... It wasn't like ridiculously heavy where you get someone like Haley Adams who's just completely out of it. Or like Turi Helga daughter. She wasn't completely out of it even though she's not the strongest of athletes. Yeah, I mean, but even look at the final day. You have a 425 pound or 605 pound yoke carry. Um, you have... 405 pound 275 pound deadlift yeah and then you have uh back rack front rack and overhead walking lunge with 185 135 that's heavy it's heavy it's a heavy final day yeah yeah which is fine i'm just it's just i think that like there wasn't anything that was light like you 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 didn't see uh, like anything really light except for the the snatch barbell with the with the the echo bike Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you had your but again, that that is that is going to benefit a stronger athlete because it's a short workout and it's it comes down to the bike. Yeah, it's a power output yeah. workout. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just yeah. I think you're right. I mean, you did have a couple of longer events in there with no weight. It's just it's always a question of like, do the aerobic events balance well and counter the heavy events enough to where you end up with the right people at the top and i think so yeah i just think the sport generally is becoming heavier oh yeah i mean the fact that you're seeing like i mean remember one like 135 95 used to be considered kind of the heavy thruster Mm -hmm. weight and you saw that whole you saw that level up to to the next level this year yeah um so i think that you're right i think that the the sport is getting heavier generally speaking and uh you know, as long as they're including tests that do require some, you know, longer monostructural pieces and require some aerobic ability, like the top will, will probably be relatively fit and well-rounded. But I think you're going to see a bias in the long run if things keep going towards a, a stronger athlete, which like suffice to say is sort of the nail in the coffin on our careers. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have a favorite workout? I think I was most stunned by... Danielle Brandon doing the handstand walk event. And I think that was my favorite event just because, or the max snatch from like a spectators yeah. um, perspective that those were the most fun to watch short and quick. And just like, it just a, a good showcase of how talented some of these athletes are. Yeah. What Danielle Brandon did on her hands. I don't think, 
unless you have spent any amount of time on your hands, it's, you can even fully comprehend no, it, it what was just that means. Incredible. Um, and like everyone knows she's really good on her hands. That's no surprise. I didn't know she was that good. I've seen her post some things on like Instagram that makes it, you know, doing handstand walks backwards and this and that, like she's clearly very comfortable, but there's a difference between being comfortable when you're like, you're not fatigued and being able to do it when it matters, you know, at the end of a, like, what was the whole, like, was it 200 feet in total? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's like, I don't know that I could, I could do a 200 foot handstand walk without obstacles as fast as she did a 200 hands, 200 foot handstand walk. I don't know the exact distance, but anyways, it was quite long Yeah, with three obstacles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that And the last obstacle being the stairs into the parallettes. Yeah, it's the hardest. Which is the hardest combination. And that's the last one. Yeah. That's just, I'm sorry, but that was amazing. (laughs) So that was my favorite event from a spectator standpoint, from like a good fitness test standpoint. I don't know. The thruster wall walk one was pretty cool. Like, yeah. Um, I thought the, I really liked, um, obviously the snatch and watching Annie hit mm-hmm. 200 pounds was incredible just cause she kept surprising herself. She was surprising herself starting at like 185 <laughs> and it just like, it kept happening. Yeah. Um, so that was cool to see. I think from like a classic CrossFit, I really liked the 2159 echo bike snatch event. I just, I like that type of event generally i think it's a really good test and it's something that can sometimes be forgotten about or neglected at like the high levels of the sport because it's not you know flashy it's not fancy you know there's nothing really special about it it's just get out there and do it um so i thought that was i thought that was a good one and the right one to cut down to 30 athletes yeah and then i thought the toast bar run event on saturday morning was the right event to cut to 20 athletes yep um what were your i know we've kind of already touched on the kayak but the swim event do you think that accomplished what it was meant to accomplish which is i think that's meant to be your long monostructural test of aerobic fitness i i actually disagree i don't think it's meant to be the long test of fitness i think it's just like swimming is fitness and even though it's high skill, it's like, it's kind of just, you know, they, ha- they, people want to see these athletes swimming. It, it takes away the argument. Well, can they swim? Yeah. Um, and then the kayak, I think is just there for, why do you think entertainment? it's like, I don't know. Swimming. Why do you think people wonder if they can swim and they don't wonder like, can they bike? I don't know. You could get into that whole like argument of whether like how much skill is involved in being fit. Yeah. what's how you define this test um yeah. i mean there's a like there's a whole argument with velner like it can he can he win if he can't swim i mean obviously that hurts him mm-hmm. so like is is it appropriate to have that test i don't know i actually don't have an opinion on the swimming it is a very like skilled event and it, it biases somebody who's had a swimming background more so than somebody who has a gymnastics background being able to handstand walk, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the skill and the experience required to be a very good swimmer is one of the hardest things to develop. And I don't, so I don't think that you can test like a monostructural aerobic event with swimming because it's too skilled. Even if you pair. So what I think, 
uh, I like seeing swimming in the CrossFit Games. I always have. I think with 15 events, it's perfectly fine to have that test in there. I think that what what felt like it was missing this year was a like an aerobic, like a, a cardiovascular test. Um, in the three mile kayak, like it's a lot on the shoulders. It is like fatiguing, but it's not a whole body fatiguing. Like you get from running or rowing long distances, things like that. Um, so that's why I said in like the last podcast, I really like when running is or when swimming is paired with another monostructural element. So you, it does two things. It number one becomes a better test of cardiovascular fitness and then number two, it takes the edge off the advantage that X swimmers have in an event like that. Um, with that said, like event one, you saw Amanda Barnhart, who was a collegiate swimmer, probably the best swimmer in the field. And she lost her advantage because she couldn't kayak. And so maybe the kayak does that. I just don't think the kayak is like necessarily the right implement to test cardiovascular fitness, especially considering that that wasn't tested kind of anywhere else in the games and people might try to make an argument for event 10, which was the toes to bar running. But I, I, I still think that's a, it's got a gymnastics element. Do you remember it was maybe 2014 they had the swim in the ocean with, I think it was kettlebell thrusters. Yes. That was a great event. Yeah, it was. Because, yeah, you have an advantage as a swimmer, but if you're a really good swimmer, but you're not good at as good at CrossFit or as fit, like, it's going to eat, level the playing field slightly. Or even back in, I don't remember what year it was. I'm going to say 2014, but it might be, it might have been 2013, when they did the pool swim with the bar muscle-ups. Mm-hmm. Super good event. Yeah. Because um, you're just, you're forcing people to, like, what I what I do like about swimming is you can't, um, it, it requires some breath control versus like when you're doing CrossFit or when you're running and you haven't worked on breath control, you can just, you know, be breathing like a Neanderthal and it really doesn't matter. But as soon as you start putting it, if you, when you put in swimming and now you require people to do anything outside of the pool that requires bracing or anything like that, like it just becomes more difficult, which I like. So I think the kayak was too odd of a, implement for it to be a to level the playing field yeah like there yeah I just I don't think it was it was like the luck of the draw I don't know I don't know why Amanda Barnhart was so bad at it I yeah she, she was it doesn't like, mean she's bad at CrossFit it's like if 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 you replace the kayak with a run she wins maybe she, well I don't know you know I don't know because I don't know what the kayak even does I think it's just there for entertainment purposes. Yeah. It's because each year there needs to be something that's like, ooh, ah, like this is different. Yeah. I think a swim into a bike would be really cool. Yeah, actually, An that would be cool. Would be a neat event. An More aqua li- bike? That's what they're called. The races are called aqua bikes. Is it a bike on land? No, you. it's called uh, an aqua bike because you swim and then you bike. And that's just what they call But you races. bike on land. Yes. You don't bike on the water. No. It's one of those like paddle bikes <laughs> no it's not a paddle bike okay, that would be funny though <laughs> that would be a spectacle <laughs> for sure that that would be bad for the lactic acid burn <laughs> it would really start accumulating yeah yeah um 
Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, let's talk about surprise standout performances and also surprise letdowns. Go. Okay. Uh, first off, please, like, can we talk about again Annie Thor's daughter? Yeah. Not only is she just, just a beauty of a person, and just honest and raw and like has been through a hell of a year, but like she just really seemed to be enjoying herself out there this year, which you don't see as often mm. in CrossFit. You just don't. People are, and there's nothing wrong with being serious. It's sport. It's pe what people, you know, devote their lives to. I love seeing somebody just absolutely crushing it and just having the time of their life. Yeah. I loved when they, she was coming through the runs in between the cleans on that clean event six and seven smile literally smiling yeah like just happy to be there and there are people who are who are like oh, i'm just happy to be here and they finished 25th and that's fine that's good for them yeah she was that person but she also crushed it yeah and i think like i'm not sure where she's at mentally or maybe she wasn't expecting to do that well i mean she's had a hard year and i think if you followed along with her at all you're aware but she just like every single event well i mean most events she just she was super consistent. She showed up and like just kept surprising herself. And like, I think when you, when you're coming back from the type of year that she's had, she obviously had no expectations of herself. Um, because that's a, you know, it's a super humbling experience, I think. And, um, yeah, it was like every, everything was a win. Like being there was a win. And then what happened after was just like, icing on the cake yeah I think it was before the final event she was getting interviewed and she just said I don't know what to expect I've been struggling with the rhythm of chest bars which like you don't hear any CrossFit Games athletes say that yeah and she was like we'll see how it goes and I think she went on to say that um you know I'm just taking each event as it comes and I'm just doing my best and focusing on the moment and that obviously goes a really long way. Yeah. I mean, uh, her her 200-pound snatch was, like, the moment of the weekend yeah, for me. Yeah, for sure. I think. She just, like, that was so great to see. Yeah. And just, like, pure, like, joy. Um, yeah, which, again, you see a lot of intensity of the sport. You see a lot of disappointment when people don't achieve what they set out to. And so it's just refreshing to see someone who's, like, yeah, it's, so It's kind of rare with a snatch. When you don't have the confidence to hit a heavy snatch, it's rare that you hit it and you're like, what? I just hit this? Yeah. Clean maybe. But like, I think it just, you just in, dump everything you have and hope for the best. And like, it's just rare. Yeah. Like, it's just rare to see that, to be that shocked at, at hitting a 200 pound snatch. I agree. Like, yeah. that is a really like heavy weight. On the other end of the spectrum, Cara yeah, Webb. Yeah. Who I think. That was a bit of a disappointment. She was someone who uh, was in a lot of people's um, top five at the beginning of the weekend. And fair enough. Like, she's she's done. She did really well all through COVID. Like, didn't she? She got second at Rogue. Um, I don't remember i don't know she's been in the mix still and she, yeah like, she did well in the australian event obviously yeah um her training looks like it's been going great and um 
Yeah, I mean, she was in my top five. And then it just, you know, you started paying attention to her when she was training in the U.S. When she had, like, she, I guess she traveled here, what, like two or three weeks ago. And, you know, she's been pretty vocal about the difficult, how difficult it is to travel from Australia to the U.S., uh, the cost associated with that travel, which is extreme, um, you know, potentially the quarantine measures and going back to Australia, depending on what, you know, their situation is. And um, Vin was also very, like, obviously sort of gutted and upset to be separated from her daughter and it just seemed like that's kind of where her focus was and it wasn't necessarily in the present moment and you know I can understand that she's she's obviously very close with her daughter and you know they spend a lot of time together and I'm also like I'm not a parent so I can't like I can't make that connection um but I do know a lot of people who who have young kids and they work jobs and they separate and like, you know, it might be challenging, but they also recognize like, Hey, it's their job. And you see the same thing happening, you know, at the Olympics, like Allison Felix, um, there's a number of Olympic athletes who, you know, are, they had to leave their entire families, including their kids at home. And, you know, I think there's, there's value in being able as an athlete to compartmentalize emotions. And I understand that's probably harder when you're a parent, especially when you're a mother um, but you really saw how that can play out in a negative way, I think, for someone like Kara, who hasn't necessarily really ever been away from her kid. And that's a good thing for her. I think that's like not many people have an opportunity to bring their kids up that way. Um, but the the flip side of that coin is it does make it more difficult for her when it's time to, to do her job and to step away clearly she can't quite detach mm-hmm. from how that makes her feel emotionally. There was also the COVID. Yeah. And then like the, aspect. the second part of that is she apparently got COVID sometime between travel and the games and was cleared by a, an antigen test as in like, she's not contagious so she can compete, but um, was clearly not recovered from a respiratory standpoint. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, I hate, to hear that anyone gets COVID. I feel bad for the people that do, especially when people get sick like that and it impacts their livelihood. Um, and I won't get too, you know, too on the high horse here, but it's, it was, there's a way to prevent that from happening. At least, um, you know, maybe you still get it, but there's a way to reduce, reduce the risk. Yeah. And that wasn't, you know, a decision that she made. And so again, that's another decision that she'll have to live with kind of moving forward. Um, kind of in the same vein, you have to talk about Danielle Brandon and what she endured this weekend. And like, uh, I think the CrossFit game should be commended for the approach that they took at check-in and their testing and doing everything that they could to keep athletes in the competition as safely as possible. So with Danielle, her two training partners, Bethany and, Carrie tested positive. Uh, Danielle did not test positive. And so she was allowed to compete. But obviously, because we know the incubation time is, you know, four to six days with sort of the newer vel- like variants, you can't assume that she's um, negative or going to remain negative and not be contagious. So they, uh, they kind of sequestered her for the weekend. And so she competed in like, you know, lanes by herself and she was supposed to run by herself. And then a few people ran with her. So 
from a like a competitive standpoint probably the least ideal scenario you want to be in well yeah and, and not to mention the fact she was sequestered in the back probably as well yeah which, you're you know all the athletes are kind of get together in a sense like you warm up together you're not warming up together but you're in in the vibe and yeah and there's calm in that yeah like that's a is as as not calming as it sounds is that it actually is calming yeah to be in that situation and it's part of the experience as well yeah um so she didn't have that which is unfortunate but yeah. again and she wasn't allowed to do like post event interviews like it was you come onto the floor with the mask, you take the mask off, you do the event, you put the mask on and you're escorted off. Like yeah. you're, you're really like, it's sort of a scarlet letter situation. And what that I, would... like, okay. What I love about this and like, I'm not trying to be rude here, but like I, I listened to a podcast that she was on and she is so like, she thinks COVID and mask wearing and stuff is stupid. Yes. And I... so when she's forced to do it, it kind of was like, I, I just knew she just probably just absolutely hated it. Yeah. At the same time, I'm sure that as a person who's been like living in this world for the past year and a half, understands she's probably lucky to be able to compete and like she's not in Carrie's situation. Yeah, it could be worse, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's aware. But like there was one event, I think it was the handstand walk one. She's just like, there was a picture of her on, it was like morning chalk over the CrossFit Games where she had crossed the finish line instead of like putting her hands off or like pointing her first two fingers. Yeah. Like as like number one, she had her middle fingers up, which is and, like, like <laughs> so on brand for her. <laughs> I, I secretly love that. Yeah. But. I mean, you know, whatever I think in that moment, it, competition's weird and what gets you fired up. It, it, it's different per, you know, based on the person. I mean, you've heard Michael Jordan talk about, like, he used to, like, fabricate stories about his competitors to mm -hmm. make him mad. And so, like, there's, there actually, like, there could be some sort of a competitive advantage to Danielle feeling like she'd been wronged and, like, this and mm -hmm. this. And there's power in that narrative for someone like her, um, you know, who maybe she just, she thrives on that type of thing. I don't know. But she did really, really well on the weekend, um, despite having really been disadvantaged um sort of by the the protocols that the games had to put in place um mal o'brien uh was the kind of the reigning teenager of the weekend she finished seventh i think um she looked super good all weekend very composed um emma carey did great too i just think mal kind of looked a little sharper and less hectic at times um I like her. She had an event win. I, she may have had more than one. I know she had one event win. She won the Mal was seventh and Emma Carey was 16th. Yeah. Emma Carey can't run. No. And that's like, um, yeah, I don't want to be like, she's 17. I don't want to be critical, but like she's got a 250 pound clean around that. I think, I don't know what the exact number is. It's a lot, a hell of a lot more than I can clean. Um, you know, but 205 at the end of a relatively light clean ladder is challenging because it's paired with a 200 meter run. So I think Emma, if she's, um, if she's smart and she has smart people around her, I think this will be a really powerful learning opportunity mm -hmm. from Absolutely. where her efforts need to be in the next year. Um, which she's obviously laid a really solid foundation that's can be built on really easily. I mean like 15th, 16th place in your, your debut at the games. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, we're kind of just going and we're doing the girls and we'll do the boys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laura Horvath, I thought was sort of the surprise standout of the weekend. I don't know how many people placed her in the top 
five, but kind of in a repeat of 2018, finished second in a fairly dominant fashion. She looked really good. Um, and then I think you have to talk about Christy Aramo. Okay, what I love about Christy, and I remember this at Granite Games. I was like, okay, these girls competing are so good now. Somebody like Christy, who I know is a ma- an amazing athlete, just from her her previous games showings, not qualify, um, and then qualify in the last chance workout and come, what did she come? Six or something? Not, she must have, it's top two, only two went. Oh no, she came eighth at the game. Oh, sorry. But, but almost didn't make it. Yeah. Which, again, makes you question the test to get to the games. And I just, like, yeah. The, what the games are compared to the tests that get you there. Like, you know, I think are the they, games are slight, a slightly different test. Absolutely. But um, that's for another time. I just, I was. I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all by Christy, but I was like, dang, good for you. Yeah. Like she kind of did what you. I uh, it, what I would expect her to do if she were to qualify. Like she's she doesn't tend to win qualifiers, but once she's like if she can just get into the game, she's going to Yeah. Yeah, come I think she's a she's a very durable athlete. Like she she looks good on the final events. Like she can stay in it. Yeah. And she's she's got the base the like the running the gymnast, like she has the strength, like she has all, all of the components are there. Yeah. That help her kind of endure a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a games weekend. Yeah. Um, I completely, she doesn't agree. have any major holes, which I think allows her to kind of get in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think honorable mention goes to Ariel Lowen, who uh, is not someone who I had even heard of before this year. Um, she is the athlete who won the Granite games and I think finished, um, she never competed at that level, obviously never competed at the games level, but then finished 14th at the games this year. So really impressive showing by her, especially she was pretty open with the fact that she didn't even expect to like qualify at the Granite Games. She just wanted like a sign for her garage. And, uh, yeah, now she she's has, a mom too. She is a mom. Yeah. So a couple of strong moms up there. Um, the dudes shorter list. Cause like, I don't care as much. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think Jason Hopper was the guy that a lot of people had their eyes on to be an upset this weekend. And, um, he didn't quite have it, which isn't a huge surprise. He had moments where he looked good, but then like just looked shaky and unfamiliar in other workouts. And I think that ultimately kind of cost him. He did not do well in the, the muscle up sandbag event. He was struggling big time. Yeah. And he went out, I think he went out pretty hot Yeah, and then fell back pretty quickly. That was interesting to see. It's just like, I think that's somebody who's not familiar with some of the the way that the events play out because he's still so new to the sport. I agree. So I think, honestly, I think it's going to be for him a similar scenario to the teenagers in the women's division. Yeah. Like he's going to just learn a lot from this experience and come back bigger and stronger and better. Yeah, I agree. Um, Stand out for the men. I just wrote the the Canadians. Mm -hmm. So really strong finish from... Uh, Pat Vellner, who finished second, Brent, um, who was third, and then Alex Vigneault, who was eighth. Eighth. Yeah. Um, so pretty good there. I like, was okay again, and it's a little different for men, but like Vellner has a new baby, and Alex Vigneault has a kid, and I'm just like, dang, that's like <laughs> that's impressive to be yeah. that fit, like it. it it's doable. I know. Cause you see it done, but 
it's it's a disadvantage yeah like you're you're not sleeping as much like we work with clients who are dads and they're just as part like oftentimes just as much of a, a part of raising a child as the mom in terms of what it can take away from recovery and performance of the of the sport yeah and it's just like if nothing else even if you're sleeping in another room it's something else to think about yeah it's like it's totally. on your mind yep because you know it's your child mm-hmm. i mean like i think about ivy all the time and she's just a cat <laughs> so like imagine having a baby so distracting so super but impressive. also okay ivy kind of adds to our life making us better i feel like it's a, a distraction can sometimes be a good thing for athletes yeah so like being a dad it's like you know you're not always just like obsessed with training and your whole world isn't training you have this other life where you can you're obsessed help with create your a bit of a balance cat i mean baby yeah yeah same thing <laughs> um yeah and then brent looked really sharp this weekend i was happy to see that because he changed coaches he's getting coached by a friend of ours now and best i've seen him look in years he just looked like because previous like you know 2019 he just like he looked a little tired mm-hmm. like haggard um and that's like brute is super high volume and heavy and just i don't think that was working well and he looked great he did really really well i what i loved about brent was in one of the post event interviews he had tape all over his like knee or hamstring yeah and the guy the interviewer said look what's going on with your leg or the the girl i don't know who was interviewing him and he was like oh doesn't it look good he's like i'm fine but like to me that's important like he's not self-handicapping he's not like making excuses he's just he doesn't want to talk about it he just he's fine like yeah there's no excuse for him not doing well in a running event like he just does his best and moves on and focuses on what he's doing it's there's none of this like on instagram like oh you know like you know i'm really pushing through this pain like what you know what i went through was really difficult like even you know sam cornier who like i don't know him at all but i follow him on instagram and it's like you know he had a, a rough night he yeah. had food poisoning or whatever it was and it's like i don't know it's just in the in the in the event like why are you posting that stuff like just yeah. focus on doing better the next day for yourself and maybe after the fact yeah do it like what's the point um i like i've always had opinions about that i think um it's a self it's self handicapping yeah like giving and obviously brent didn't want to talk about it probably because he doesn't want to like live give into it, it power or give it any mental space and like clearly whatever they, whatever was going on impacted his ability to do that running toes to bar workout to the like um you know to his potential but he's like i mean if I mean, we most have to guess, we don't yeah. know we don't have any inside information on this no um but yeah what's the point in talking about it like it is what it is like you can assume that almost everyone at the games has a little something going on everybody is a little bit injured yeah so it's like it's not worth talking about and i've i've always had an issue with people who really like who get you know they they feel like they they have to put it out there because number one it's an ego thing it's just in case you don't perform the way that you want to or you don't perform to the expectation expectations that you think people have that they don't Mm -hmm. it's so you can say well you know this um, and then it also mentally gives you something. It makes it easier if you can't go to a hundred percent effort on any, you know, any one event, it gives you something, which is again, it's, it's an ego driven move. Yeah. But it's at any rate, it, it really allows you, um, I mean, and I've definitely done it, um, you know, but when you're in those moments and it really hurts cause it often really hurts, 
you know, you can say, you know, it's okay, Meredith. Like, you weren't feeling well yesterday. If you can't give this a great effort, you have a good reason. So you can back off now. And that's what giving that kind of thing mental space does instead of doing what Brent does or did in that moment, which is like, no, it's good. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I appreciated that from him. I did too. I just, that's, I, it's kind of rare. Yeah. It's it's rare to just be like, I'm good. Yeah. Like CrossFit. I think it's because it's so, it exists so much on social media and it is about like ego and uh, appearance it's just that all you hear about is like, oh, I had this injury or I went through this last night and yeah. I'm, you know, but I still managed to prevail. And it's like, just do your job. Like, just be like, be in the, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, that's my opinion. I just, <laughs> I really like that from Brent. Yeah. I think that was a really like, that was an athlete. That yes. was like somebody who's just out there to just do it. And he did it. Yep. Yeah. I completely even, agree. Even at like semifinals. There was no like excuses from him. Yeah, it was just like, all right, so apparently I have to win the final <laughs> workout to make but this happen. But he didn't even talk about it. He just did it. Nope. Yeah. At least from what I saw. I may miss something, but No, it was there was never anything put out about like, oh, well, this is why this happened and this is why this happened. Like Brent knows he's he doesn't crush online competitions. He's not yeah. trying to pretend that he is someone who does. And so like I don't think it's any surprise when you don't see Brent winning an online competition. But he's not saying, oh, I have this elbow thing or, you know, I have to do this in my garage. Like, yeah, it's like, well, this is this is the hand that I've been dealt. These are the events I have to do. And that's probably why he gets it done. Yeah, that's exactly. my opinion. Yeah, I agree. But I thought that was I, I just I enjoyed seeing that. Um, I wish Chandler had done a bit better. That was a, a yeah. bummer. He almost squeaked into the top 20, but didn't. Um, yeah, that was kind of it for standouts. I think anything else? Nope. Yeah. Um, so we'll get on to what everyone's here for, I think, and what we're most excited to talk about, which are things that annoyed us. (laughs) (laughs) Drum roll, please. We're going to keep this as, uh, civilized as possible. Um, but still sassy but still sassy because that's why we're here and this podcast is not brought to you by anyone who is going to be offended by this so (laughs) hang on to your butts um okay so the i'm just going to say it and this is probably again in part due to the fact that we are watching the crossfit games alongside the olympic games who has uh and i'm i'm i am I am not going to compare the CrossFit Games broadcasting team to NBC Sports broadcasting team because the budget is on another planet. Um, But I think that, um, you know, there are some good things about the broadcasting team at the CrossFit Games and there are some bad things about it. Um, The good thing about it is like many things. Yeah, it's bad. And then moving on. (laughs) (laughs) um oh sorry was there more more. okay sorry um (laughs) i will say it was nice to have one streamlined broadcast instead of like in 2019 um in 2020 there was like the rogue broadcast and like the morning chalk up like there was you remember how that was because crossfit media had had cut their broadcasting team so i wasn't that was 2019 yeah but i mean we weren't watched it we were there yeah yeah so we didn't watch it but that's how it happened and so it's just it's kind of distracting Um, so it's nice that it's, it's centralized again. It's nice that, you know, like many things in CrossFit, 
the broadcasting team and the people who are involved in commentating the sport have come from the community for the most part. Um, so you, you do get uh, a bit of a grassroots feel with it, but I think that's also the downside. It's also the downfall of the commentary. Um, I thought, um, you know, again, and I said this for some of the semifinals, like you can tell that, that we're kind of, you know, brushing the cobs, cobwebs off. I think on the whole, it was good. I really like Sean Woodland. Um, you know, I, I like, I like Tommy. Sometimes he gets a little tangled up with his words. I really, I missed, um, it was noticeable that there were no female commentators. Usually you have like, you have Annie, um, Sakamoto or someone else on the broadcast. And, um, it's, it, it was noticeable for me anyways. It just, it kind of felt like bros just like talking the whole time. Um, where I think Annie, uh, or a, you know, a female commentator tends to kind of cut that a little bit. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, we're, we're inclusive. There are plenty of female experts who you can bring on to help broadcast. But like these guys aren't ask experts. Okay. I mean, let me experts with okay. finger quotes. Like I'm thinking of two right now that they easily could have asked. Number one was, um, Margot Alvarez. Yeah. Who's who done it before, before. Who is just, he, she, she knows what's going on. She's extremely well-spoken and has done it before. Yeah, she brings in the vantage point of a very recent CrossFit Games. But athlete. she's done broadcasting before for like regionals and stuff. Yeah, so she's, she's been on with the way things work. Well, she was a part of the Rogue, like the Iron Game or whatever that the yeah. Rogue broadcast was. She was a part of that team. Like but she's she does also a, recently been like uh, she's competed at the games many times, but also has done it very recently. Yes. The other person who is Jamie Hygia, who apparently has uh, an education in communications and is trying to get on the media team. And instead of putting her like commenting on the, the workouts, she's out on the grounds doing, I don't even know what she did. I didn't see her at all. Yeah, she I wasn't think... a part of the broadcast. She wasn't on social media. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. So what did you do? Like, why aren't you using her? Like mm -hmm. she at least has an education in this again is familiar with, um, what's going on on the plate, like as a, as a competitor. Yeah. And has done the sport at a high level. I agree. Yeah. Um, um, so that was, that was noticeable for sure. Yeah. And you do have Jamie who's, who's on the floor and like, you know, why she wasn't on the broadcast more, not really sure. Cause they have Mike Arsenault who's on the floor and doing, you know, on like interviews with coaches and with athletes as they're coming off. So like, you know, where, where's Jamie? Why isn't Jamie doing that? She was on the grounds. Okay. She was in the Ram truck. Okay. At one point. <laughs> but I did see her at one point. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, I would like to see Jamie more. Yeah. Next time. Um, not commenting on the Ram trucks. Yeah. More on the athletes are not even good trucks. Um, <laughs> Ask me for how I feel yeah, about that. Yeah, we have a hole. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought that, you know, and there's, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on production. There could be more done probably from a production team standpoint. There were a few instances early in the weekend where, you know, the, the camera, and they have to broadcast on what they see, right? So the, you know, they don't get to dictate what the camera's on and who's, who the camera's on. Um, you know, whatever is on camera is what they're, they're commenting uh, they're commenting on there, I think can be a little more planning behind that, but there were moments where there were athletes 
on camera for an awkward amount of time that they clearly did not know very much about, you know, the, the, the best they could come up with. Um, you know, I think one of the guys was from like Latvia or something. Like the only thing they knew was that he competed in 2019. I'm like this guy's a whole story, a whole life that is, he's um, on Instagram, isn't he? He's on Instagram. How have you not looked this guy up? There's only 40 people competing. Yeah. It's 40 not like men competing. Like you should know a little bit about every person. Yeah. It's not 2019. You're not dealing with all these like random national champions. Like these are people who qualified a long time ago. You have plenty of time to do research or the production team does. And, uh, at a minimum, you should be able to pronounce their names, which didn't always happen. Um, but yeah, like, you know, where are they from? Who do they train with? Do they have a job? What do they do for work? Do they have family? What does their family do? Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons to talk about. And you, again, you see this in Olympics all the time. They, but what's, what is so unfortunate is because the sport is a popularity contest, you have everybody knows everything about Jessica Griffith or and nothing against her or like Brooke Wells. Mm-hmm. They're very popular on social media. They've been in the sport for a long time and they're, they've got a lot of personality. But that doesn't mean that you... And, and they can talk about everything about them. Like, oh, you know, that this is who their coach is. This is, you know, Jess Griffith does mayhem. So she's doing a lot of this in her programming. Like they know a lot about Haley's programming, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, but what's un- unfortunate is like, you're going to get heats that are, it's heat one of four or heat two of two, uh, one of two, where you're getting these athletes who are in the back who might start winning a workout and they're going to be on the screen. Like, how do you not have anything to say? Not even one thing. Yeah. You, you took no time. You only have 40 names to learn. You shouldn't be on a broadcast saying like, I'm not even going to try to say your name because I'll mess it up. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, I agree. Um, but like, I think that's a, like an opportunity to like, as a, if you're going to hold yourself out as a professional broadcaster and commentator, that's an opportunity. Like, okay, that's a good challenge. Like I wouldn't make some of these earlier heats more entertaining for spectators by, by knowing some of this stuff about people, by doing the research, by like, um, you know, having, if, you know, if, if any of these people gets put on camera for 30 to 60 seconds, can I fill that time with interesting information? And that's the challenge, I think. And it's a couple of times that didn't happen. And it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate, especially for the, you know, that athlete who has a, an opportunity to capitalize on some of the exposure that they're getting. Um, and they don't get that, you know, because no one, no one cares unless you're, you know, have two to 300,000 Instagram followers. Um, probably the biggest, and I'm going to do this as tactfully as I can. The biggest beef that I have with the commentating this weekend, um, was specifically with Chase Ingram, who I'm, I think is a nice person. I have had a few interactions with him on, um, Instagram maybe. And, uh, there were a couple of sort of I'm not even going to say nitpicky because it was becoming a pattern by the end of the weekend. And that's just this need to correct. Um, I think you like the term mansplain. Yeah. I was going to try to not use that word. (laughs) I know, but I wanted you to use it. Females are capable of doing this as well. Um, But to watch an athlete, you know, do a particular movement in a particular way. And um, instead of just observing and commenting Um, there's this need to, you know, correct or say, this is bad or she shouldn't do this. And, um, you kind of saw that happen sort of periodically through the weekend. It was, um, occurred on the snatch quite a bit. 
Um, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't just make this up in my head because I understand that I'm, I can be subject to my own bias, especially when it's men commenting on women's sports. All, but on top of that, I'll add that and then I'll let you continue. Okay. When, when was the last time Chase Ingram competed as an individual? I don't know. It's been a long time. I don't actually know. Wait, like 2011? I don't know. I don't know when he competed. I do know he competed. But like thing, like these athletes, he, he, he has no right to tell these athletes how to do something. It would be like, uh, like no offense to Mike Fitzgerald, who's our coach. It would be like Mike commenting on the way that Justin is doing anything. And it's like, and then saying, well, I competed as an individual in 2009. I know what I'm talking about. And it's like, there's no, but there's, there's absolutely no need to do that. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like even Matt Fraser, he shouldn't get up there and be like, oh, they're doing this in a really bad way. It's like, just, that's not what the commentary is there for. Yeah. It's like, you can make observations, but like to be so judgmental of the way that athletes are performing is, it was so negative, but I'll let you go. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, like there's some validity in that if you've seen the the movie dodgeball and like that's a parody sport sports movie you know but the the commentator in that movie you know they're doing something ridiculous and he says like you know bold strategy cotton let's see if this plays out for Mm -hmm. him do that do that (laughs) when you see some like someone doing something weird like you can observe it you can comment on it but there's no need to correct it because you're not in that athlete's body experiencing what they are experiencing you don't know what they've talked about with their coach you don't know what their strategy is. So to sit back and have any opinion at all on what their strategy should be is, I think, very inappropriate. And it's even more inappropriate to put it out there. Not to mention the fact that all of these workouts that these athletes are doing, they've never been seen before. Right. So you don't know what the best strategy is. Nobody knows what the best strategy is. Yeah. You'll know when the event is over. Exactly. Because the best strategy will win. And all the athletes are different. So one strategy might be better for another athlete. Yeah. And, um, exactly. So, okay. So understanding my own bias, uh, as a, I'm not a biased person as a, okay. All based on fact. Yeah. Well, I want this to be based based on fact. So, um, I needed to kind of like back up and objectively look at what I'm, you know, what, okay. I know I felt this, I know there was a reason, but I also know that I'm a biased person, um, or that I, I can be quite biased when it comes to men, um, talking about women. And so, um, I went back and rewatched the final heat of individual event four, which if you don't remember, was the wall walk thruster event. It went 10, nine, all the way to one on wall walks and then heavy thrusters, 185, 135. And I watched the final heat for men and I watched the final heat for women, exact same broadcasting team. They happen basically one right after the other. It's Chase and Sean. Um, and then I made note of the number of comments made specifically on technique of the movements being performed. So we have wall walks and thrusters. And when I talk about technique, I'm not talking about, you know, what are they doing? I'm talking about comments made specifically on how they are doing it. Um, So for example, Brent has a very unique and a very efficient wall walking strategy the way that he does that movement. So that was brought up a few times. Um, so a uh, number of comments on the technique. And then I, of those comments, how many of them were 
corrective. How many of them were saying, okay, they're doing this movement this way. They should be doing it that way, or they should not be doing this, or this is bad, or this is going to catch up. Anything that, that indicates what they're doing is wrong. Okay. Um, so in the final heat of the men for that event, there were six comments made on technique. Five of those six were distinctly positive and like complimentary in nature. And then one was just an observation of the six, zero of those comments were corrective in nature. So six comments made on technique, um, none were corrective. <clears throat> um, women's final heat individual event four. And if you watch this, you remember Mal won this event. Um, she went unbroken on the thrusters, which was kind of the notable thing about it. Um, there were three total comments made on technique. Uh, none of those comments were distinctly positive, and of those comments, uh, the three comments that were made on technique, three of them were corrective in nature. So um, there weren't any observations made. There weren't any positive um, compliments given. You know, there was, you need to take a break, referring to Mal doing the thrusters. This is going to add up. Um, she needs to stop doing that. Those were kind of the three comments that were made um, that just felt, you know, sort of off. And it's like, why are you telling, you know, correcting this CrossFit Games athlete on air? Like, yes, she's young. Yes, she's 17. Yes, she's pausing with the bar over her head. Um, maybe that's not what you would do. But like having like she's a smaller athlete. She's very strong, but she's small. Like I'm small. I also pause with the bar overhead. Why? Because when you're like, when your shoulders are fatigued and your legs are fatigued, sometimes it's better and easier to stand there in a totally locked out and supported position before going into the next rep. And that and takes less you. time than dropping the bar on the ground and then having to squat clean it and then having to correct the like little, like the to correct the position in the squat clean in order to go into the thruster. It allows you to take a breath in the middle of each rep. Yeah between each reps and it slows down this the rate of the movement yeah which if anybody has done a wall walk you're holding your breath almost the entire rep yeah so going back to the thrusters and pumping out like you know 10 9 8 7 Even thrusters like tia does where you're basically holding your breath the entire time is going to jack up your heart rate and jack up your breathing and then you go back to the wall walk and you all have to hold your breath yeah. again so maybe mal's approach was the best one why of all those three comments to me it's just it's it was constant doubt yeah and it's like you can like she's she's ahead she's been ahead since the beginning she's staying ahead um you know and then like going back to a comment made by you know on brent on the wall walks they're talking about you know he talks about stacking the skeletal structures to help with stability and make the movement easier well, that's exactly what she's doing with the barbell it's the same thing she's just standing up with it um, so it just, it seemed off to me that there were, there was so much praise given to the boys and to Brent. And then the only, literally the only comments made on the girls were negative and it was doubtful. And then even at the end, even when it's very clear that Mal is going to win this competition, it's like, she's got to do this. She's got to do this. She's got to pick up the bar. Like it was, it's like, you don't have to explain what she needs. To, she's doing it. She's doing exactly what she needs to do to win the event. And then she ends up beating Tia by like a minute. My favorite is, I mean, they use the, they've, he's gotta for the men too, 
when like, you know, it's the second heat of two and they, they always say, you know, that they got to be aware of the previous heat times. Like, <laughs> you know how hard that is? <laughs> he's going as fast as he can. That's like, the whole sport. He knows that there's a previous heat. Everybody knows that when you're competing at that level. Yeah. Like maybe you're trying to remind the spectators or the people watching on the live stream, like, Hey guys, like you have, you have to remember that like, even though Brent's winning this event, there might still be other people in the previous heat who's posted some pretty good times. This is the time that Brent needs to beat to win the event. It's like, like Brent's <laughs> got to be aware that like he, he doesn't only have to win this heat. Brent doesn't need to be aware of that. The people watching can be aware of that well it's even again olympics commentate like commenting on runners like they don't at any point say like oh well you know this 200 meter sprinter needs to be aware that if he doesn't come in the top two he's gonna have to qualify on time yeah and he has to be aware that other heats are gonna come into play oh he better be aware of that in the closings no 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 he's running as fast as he can like if you're not winning a qualifying event you're running as fast as you can it's yeah. the same thing as the crossfit games yeah like you're doing the event to the best of your ability in that moment and as quickly as you can get it done with minimal errors made. Like I personally struggled to watch the last few events of the CrossFit games because I was so annoyed with Chase Ingram. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal and just, um, just uncensored <laughs> comment. Yeah. It was painful. It it's, was really painful. And like, he was just making stuff up. For example, Tia wouldn't even be winning an event. And he's talking about how, you know, what Tia's doing here, she's making up her own challenges because nobody is nobody is is competing against her because she's so dominating. Well, she's being she's getting beat right here in this event that you're talking about. She's not winning every event. She's not that dominating. Like the reason why she went and broke it broken on the on the muscle ups isn't because like she's trying to make a new competition for herself or new challenge. Oh, I wonder if it's because she just can. And she's trying to finish the event as, as fast as possible. Like, because that's a test. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Like, people were challenging her in many of the different events. Yes. It's just like, but why are you making stuff up? Just, mm -hmm. there's enough other things to talk about. Or you can like, it is, you can not talk on a broadcast. You don't have to fill every second with words. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's so challenging because like, I, I don't discount the fact that like, he probably knows a lot and he probably cares a lot and he's been involved with the sport for a long time, you know, but was it the best broadcast? No. And it was actually, you know, it was getting to the point where I was like skipping through or I was muting. Cause I'm like, I just. I can't with that guy right now. Like, yeah, you know, I, it was like, Sean would say something and it would be great. And then it's like, yeah, I got to mute that. I don't know. It was getting to be a lot, especially like when I started noticing the pattern of correcting, especially overcorrecting the girls. I was like, okay, I, I'm not sitting here and trying to say I could do a better job because I certainly could not. But having seen, um, and watch the Olympics before and after events, the CrossFit games. And again, like it's hard to compare, but there are better people out there for commentary. Why, why aren't they seeking this out? Yeah. And it, maybe that will be like, 
now that the the broadcasting team is back and like again they kind of just had to get the gang back together this season because it needed to happen quickly but maybe as the sport grows we can look to like professionalize the the whole production team a little bit more and like you know get some different voices and try some things out and see you know see who's the best fit for commentating the sport so um we'll we'll see there were like you know only a few comments made about lactic acid but they were i think you know again chase said said this is a quote a he's experiencing a lactic acid dump and i would just be i would be so curious to know what exactly is a lactic acid dump how does that occur in the body what does it feel like um yeah so if anyone knows the answer to that just shoot me a message very curious about that i think the only person you need to ask about that is chase is a lactic acid dump what you take after you <laughs> the day after you put too much hot sauce on your burrito <laughs> yeah that's probably a little more accurate um certainly just as close to the truth <laughs> as as a uh, physiological lactic acid dump um what do you think about spirit of the games we're going to get off the broadcasting for a bit spirit of the games award is given out every year it was given to scott panchik this year you don't agree with okay that. i like scott panchik i think he's a great person and like he's been in the sport for a while and but i think and he's retiring which is something that they consider i'm sure but i think annie should have won spirit of the games i agree i agree i thought it was annie i thought it should have been annie all along like she just she just lit everyone's fires up like yeah. I, I don't know that wasn't a great like way of saying it i it was just there was just this like she gave me goosebumps yeah it like more more than in one event like yeah she just and we've talked about her but she was just this like this super bright light at the crossfit games yep. this year and it was just Im impossible to not notice her and feel that positivity and that excitement and the love for the sport at a high level and yeah I think Annie was the better and fit. she's been around like I think they said 12 years yeah she's competed in three different decades yeah I can't even comprehend that that is amazing yeah and just and I know she's not retiring and Scott is and that you know they want to recognize somebody who's been in the sport for a while and like Scott Panchak has an amazing reputation in the sport but like if you're looking at just that individual games, I mean, Annie was the star. Agree. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Not to take anything away from Scott and his career, but yeah, Annie's the goat. Um, all right, let's wrap. You ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Tia's coming back next year. Can anyone beat her? Yes or no? No, no, I don't think so either. Um, may, mm, no people will, people will start closing in on her in certain events but she's too dominating all around yeah. to beat. She's too well-rounded. And almost every single person has, even if the hole is, is shallow, they still have holes. Yes. Like Laura Hor Horvath has holes. Um, and with the, with the programming changing so much year to year, you don't know what you're going to get in one amount. And it seems as though each year um, Tia just, just nothing is she's never exposed no and and all of the people behind her are exposed have been exposed so yeah. like they're closing they're closing the gap i think and that's going to continue to happen just with 
you know, these new younger athletes coming up. Yeah. I just, I don't think that it's going to happen in time. No, I don't think so either. I was just thinking about something that's kind of funny. You know, that picture of her flexing when she got out of the water, which was super, that's a great picture. Also a little bit weird. It's kind of funny when you consider she had just gotten out of a kayak, (laughs) like an open water kayak. And then anyways, I just, I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that will happen. She'll retire before she's be actually beaten. Um, anything you'd like to see next year or change? Um, more colorful uniforms and also better commentators and just better broadcasting. Like one thing we missed is that they, and this has been a, a, this has been a, a problem for so many years at every single level show some of the other competitors on the floor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Pan out every once in a while. Pan out, like show even just for a second show who's in third or fourth. Yeah. Rather than being like, and then Brooke Wells is third and Kristen Holte is fourth. And it's like, okay, well we didn't see them at all. You know, who you didn't see basically like at all this weekend was Noah. Like, did, have you thought about that? I like, have. Cause I remember you said, Hey, where's Noah? <laughs> Like he didn't drop out, did he? But yeah, it's like you didn't really see BKG, and he was like top five. It's like only on the only on the paddle, and then it was like okay, yeah. So now we're just gonna watch like Justin yeah. and Velner and Brent, um, and, yeah, and the the guy from is it Brazil? Yeah, Guillermo? yeah. He was impressive in some of those events. Yeah, he was fun to watch. He was a standout for yeah. sure. Um, I agree with all of that. And I would say I would like, I would love to see a, a legit straight up running event, just something that just make them run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's it. I thought the programming this year was great. I thought it, um, from a fitness standpoint was very, very well balanced. And, um, even with kind of the weirdness that was the freestanding handstand pushups, I thought, you know, good for everyone out there for figuring those out. Didn't think they'd ever be a thing, but I was actually super impressed with people doing those. I was like, okay, these are the kinds of things that make the sport look stupid. And then I turned on the TV and I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone's actually doing a pretty dang good job with these. Yeah. Justin's last rep shouldn't have counted, so he should feel lucky for that. Okay. But um Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think that's all we have. Do you have anything else? Do you have anything on your mind? I wish I was, I had been there. You do? I feel a little bit, I had FOMO. But like, would spectating have been? No, I wish I was on the demo team. (laughs) Yeah. Or on the field. It's such a fun, even when I used to just go to spectate before I got on the demo team or before I competed, it was so fun to be there. And I, I, I felt like I missed out this year not being there. But yeah i had other things to do and i wasn't really invited in any capacity i've only COVID, so. i've only spectated one year oh really i was a coach in 2015 i spectated 2016 that's when i met you mm-hmm. um coach 2017 athlete 2018 demo 2019 locked in my house 2020 <laughs> then this year so i don't know i missed i missed out i i just the games has always just been so fun yeah and i've made this point before but what's so exciting about being at the crossfit games and being a part of it and what's different with the crossfit games and other um live sporting events is everybody watching crossfit does it yeah and so it's not like baseball where you know you've got these like 
guys with beer guts eating hot dogs and drinking beer in the stands. You have like people who do CrossFit. They can conceptualize how they, difficult it Exactly. Is. It's like, wow, I can't even like, I can't thrust her 135 and look at these girls mm-hmm. doing, and that's guys. <laughs> yeah. You know? I know. It's, I think that's what, what makes the CrossFit game so cool. It's just, it's the community again. Yeah. So, but it, I enjoyed watching it for sure. Yeah. It was a fun weekend. Yep. Well, if you made it this far, thanks for listening. It was a long one. Um, would love to hear your feedback. If you have any, um, you know where to find us. Uh, if you like this, subscribe and we'll catch you guys on the next one.